Hello and welcome to WSU. Oh. No. <laughs> no, sir. Say your name. <laughs> Welcome to Double Issue. My name is Quentin. Joining me today is my friend and co-host, Daniel. Me, Daniel. Yeah. This is a podcast where we bring you superhero stories and we also build up that world in world-building conversations with family and friends. This week is a story episode and we are going to cover alternate prompts. It's a weird prompt. (laughs) We're... We're read. This is still technically follow up month, I guess, addendum because it's been so far removed from it being a month and it's really a season. But, anyways, we've taken a prompt that we've done before and redoing it for a different story. Yeah. And honestly, winter doesn't actually start to like the 21st. We're, yeah. We're still in the fall season. I, I just mean we did have a couple episodes where they had nothing to do with follow up. <laughs> Yeah. Which prompt you did you redo? Oh, yeah. I redid robots. Okay. And which one did I do? Blank Slate, Tabula Rasa? Yeah. So we will start those stories after we say, hey, how are you doing? It feels like we've been a, been a while since we've done an episode. Man, it, it feels like it's been like a month. <laughs> I guess we did like a mini episode. Yeah. The holiday season is no joke. We should have been prepared. <laughs> We did prepare for the next bit of holidayness. Yeah. Our Christmas should be nailed down. Yeah. Who knows how that's going to roll out, but we do have a <laughs> special set of episodes for you. So yeah, stay tuned <laughs> for that. I see here on the notes you've got some little bits. I do. Do 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 little bits. Daniel's little bits. So somebody posted some fan art the day we did our docs episode. And it was a little like chibi doctor, doc, Mr. Freeze, and a little chibi killer croc. Chibi, I and believe I, it's pronounced. Yeah, whatever. It's cute. I don't want otakus to get on our case, but. <laughs> don't get review bombed because I said. I don't want otakus to, to get onto <laughs> us. <laughs> but uh, I put it together Doc Croc. So here's my, <laughs> my pitch for the Doc's episode. He is a professor doctor who is a crocodile man but he's just very chill like mr freeze and he's kind of like the doc's blue or uh, the doc's beast character from x-men so he's just very analytical and stays at the base doing a lot of tests and i don't know i said that'd be a fun character to throw in my other little bits was that there's been a lot of talk about tumblr's new anti-not safe for work policies and that's it's got a lot of problems on its own. But I found out today that if you post a picture of an owl in your photo, the algorithm just weighs how not safe for work it is versus how safe for work it is. And so if you just add enough of an owl to the side of the picture, it gets flagged as fine. Which made me think all Centauri can be on Tumblr with like no issues because they're all adorable owl people. So post all your, your Centauri fan art. Hmm, that's weird. Yeah. 
So somebody had a picture and it was like just a guy's chest and they're like, add 50% more Al. And the flag came off. It's like, there it is. <laughs> For our final bit of final little bit, I must announce that our feud with the little bits company is over. Oh, it seems they're fine with us existing. And I base all of this on uh, that Black Friday weekend, Cyber Monday. Somewhere in there, I found a little bit sale. And on the double issue Twitter, I posted a link to it and said, for any fans of little bits, there's a great sale going on over here and tagged them in it. And they liked it. So I think that heart button on Twitter has buried our hatchet. I would take that as legally binding. Yeah. So that's that. Bump, 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 bump. And that concludes Little Bits. Little Bits. Yeah. All right. Do we got anything else to talk about? Or are we just going to do a story now? think we're good for a story. And it's the Tabula Rasa redo. So take it away, me that uh, records this in the future or edits it. I don't know. My story. <laughs> Tabula Rasa. Me redo. By Quentin A. Pondratz. Wings at the back of her feet. A snake coiled around her forearm. The coils of rope on the back of her right hand. The dragon riding on her shoulders. The list of words running up her left forearm. The railroad tracks on her right thigh. The arrow on her right calf. The gills on her neck. The spring coiled around her left ankle. The feathers falling from Akia taking flight up her abdomen. The shark gliding through water on her hip. The angel poised to strum its lyre on her back. The acoustic guitar on the inside of her left wrist, and the electric guitar on the inside of her right. The speaker on her right bicep. The musical notes flowing from the speaker, each with a face embedded. The spider halfway through making its web on the back of her left hand. The arcing dolphin on her left thigh. The parachuting figure silhouetted against the moon on the back of her right shoulder. The plane on her right arm. The boat on her left arm, the train on her right leg, the bus on her left leg, all of them transiting away from her torso, the koalas wrapped around each of her big toes, the ring of fire surrounding her belly button, the ring around her ring finger shadowing what was once there, miscellaneous elements strewn about where needed or where they could fit, the skulls, the scales, the feathers, the spikes, the lines that form into abstract designs sometimes meant to fill a bit of void skin sometimes meant to complete a bit of spell that couldn't be incorporated fully into the design of something else. They all quiver. They tremble. Not her skin, but the ink contained inside. The shapes start shifting, summoned to a circle on her back, the design of which was a collaboration between her and the woman currently tattooing her. You know I hate doing this, right? said Gabby. Maya had the urge to shrug, but didn't want to mess her up. That's what you said last time. Well, the sentiment hasn't changed, I guess is what I'm letting you know noted. It's just so unnerving watching all these things move under your skin. Or not really under, but you know. I know. Why do you have to do this anyway? Are my tattoos not good enough? Your tattoos were spectacular. They were perfect. Maya paused. Well, as perfect as they could be. I've gotten better at integrating spells, so most of them are in need of an update. Then there's just the usual battle damage that disables a spell, or worse, changes its effects. I guess if you keep saying my work is perfect, I'll keep doing this for you. But I won't like it. The phone on the table beside them lit up and started vibrating. Don't stop. I won't. 
She continued to work the intricate designs of the circle as the phone continued to call for attention. I hate it. Is it hurting? Oh, not that. It felt like her whole body was being retattooed all at once. Of course it hurt. I meant the phone. It was about time you joined us in the present, really. See, with my old phone, you could really hang up on someone. Not as satisfying as a real phone, but... She took a deep breath. Mental note. Get a tattoo of an old school phone. But man, could you really get a good hang up on that flip phone? Just slam it shut real good. Gabby laughed as she continued to work the needle across her skin. What exactly happened to the flip one? Ronnie, she sighed. Tell me about it. Maya smiled but didn't laugh as she didn't want to risk screwing up the tattoo. Not a figure of speech, actually dish. Might keep your mind off the pain. I said I wasn't. Your fists are clenched, so try to relax and tell me what happened. Maya made an effort to unclench her fist and took a slow, deep breath. She watched as the tattoo of the ring on her finger spiraled out from itself and slithered around on the back of her hand, joining into the migration of ink. Two weeks ago, I was minding my own business, eating a burrito from that Mike's burrito truck. Mmm, said Gabby. Maya thought back. She was sitting with her legs hanging from the back of her van as she took another bite. She took a deep breath and enjoyed the smells. It was good to breathe again after having been underwater for an extended mission. She had missed the sounds and sights of the land. The Martians weren't inhospitable or anything, but she was glad to be back. She listened to snippets of conversation as people decided what burritos to get from the truck and what they were going to do with the rest of their sunny Saturdays. Maya got ready to take another bite, but a high-pitched squeal grabbed her and everyone else's attention. The culprit? A man with wild hair dressed in a red karate gi standing atop Mike's burrito truck. Battle maiden! He cried out and thrust his hand into the air. He formed the hand into a point and brought it down to point in her direction. I challenge you to a formal duel for the possession of the Locket of Lament! Everyone around followed the point of his finger to look at her for her response. The crowd whispered wonders of whether this woman was really Battle Maiden, where she had been lately, and what the Locket of Lament was. Ronnie, can it wait? I'm in the middle of this burrito. She hoisted her burrito up for him to see. The crowd looked back to Ronnie for a reply. Ronnie's face, a face usually filled with rage, did not change shape, but did begin to turn closer to the shade of his gi, and he began to tremble, presumably with the rage he was holding back. Besides, what is this locket you're talking about? I don't have a locket of whatever. I don't know what you're going on about. Of course! yelled Ronnie. He reached into his gi and pulled out a locket and displayed it in the air. I have the locket now, and we will battle! The winner will take possession of the Locket of Lament! The crowd looked back at Battle Maiden. She shook her head and went to take another bite from the burrito. That's when everything exploded. Exploded? Asked Gabby. Not like an explosion explosion. Though, not much of a difference for poor Mike, I guess. Oh no. Yeah, no more Mike's burrito truck. Maya remembered being taken off guard by the explosion. She had dealt with Ronnie Rage before, and although he could cause some damage, it was never on this scale. The middle of the burrito truck burst outward toward the line waiting for their burritos. Lettuce and beans and metal and glass rushed out through a newly created hole. People dove out of the way and Battle Maiden sprung to her feet. She drummed her fingers over a few of the words on her forearm and then traced the spine of the Kia rushing up to her chest. She dashed into the pandemonium that was once a food truck. She scooped up a few of the people in the most danger and flew them to the sidelines. She looked into the debris to see if she could spot the titular Mike. She couldn't. 
but she did spot someone new. A large man tore through the wreckage and yelled out a name. Ronnie! His hands, round like wrecking balls, smashed through the metal left standing while he screamed in a much deeper register than Ronnie had. Battle made inside. Talk about toxic masculinity. With the people she pulled away safely deposited on the ground, she dove back into action and tackled this new muscled mass destroying her perfect day off. She didn't see Ronnie, but someone able to output so much more destruction than a scrawny karate man was the obvious priority. She crashed into him, and while he budged, it was much less than she had anticipated. Before he could react and grab at her, she touched the toe of one boot to her other ankle and activated the spring for an extra push. It was just nearly enough to tip him over, and they tumbled out and away from the burrito truck. Next thing she knew, she was flying away from him, taking the force of one of his bald hands to her face. She skidded across the grass and created a trail of dirt in her wake. What were his hands made of? This was ridiculous. She massaged her jaw as she pulled herself up. She looked across the park and saw the crowds were mostly fleeing at this point. She activated some more tattoos and closed the distance to this unknown enemy. She stopped short. Ronnie Rage was back. The Wrecker Man pulled himself up and the three of them created a triangle. Battle Maiden, you could stay out of this. This is mine, Ronnie's beef. I don't know who you are, but once you start wrecking food trucks with no regard to human life, you make it my beef. He shrugged and turned away from her. Ronnie, you saw what happened to the truck. That will be your face. Now give me back my locket. Battle Maiden looked to Ronnie. You challenged me to a duel for a locket that wasn't even yours? It's hard to say if this is the most asinine thing you've ever done, but it has to be near the top at least. Maybe she shouldn't have piled on to Ronnie when he already had someone after him. Perhaps he felt cornered and that was why he used the locket. Perhaps he was always going to use it at the first sign of trouble. Either way, he put the locket on and through some form activated it before the wrecker could get to him. The wrecker crashed to his knees and started sobbing. He curled his hands into balls and slammed them into the ground before him, spraying up more dirt. Battle Maiden turned to Ronnie. She marched towards him as he cackled at his dominion over a man much stronger than him. Ronnie paid her no attention, so she plucked the locket from his neck and brought it towards her. She felt a punch in her gut and looked down, expecting Ronnie's fist. Instead, seeing just the locket in her hands clutched close to her. Had the locket done that? She opened her hands to look at the locket. Its circular shape and it being opened gave it the appearance of a pair of eyes staring up at her two deep eyes that she could fall into forever. Her mind hopped to tragedies she couldn't remember and to tragedies she had wished to forget. Every small sadness of her life. The stolen bike, the scraped knee, the missing dog, the broken guitar, the dead fish, the ingrown hair. Every small sadness surfaced and stood magnified beneath the lens of the locket. Then came the big ones. The death of her sister Maggie. The loss of her mentor, Battle Matron. The destruction of Star Coast right before her eyes. The, she blinked. Her face wet with tears, she was now looking at a massive bald fist instead of the locket. The hand scraped hers, and she felt the weight of the locket lifted. Thanks for retrieving this. She tried to shake off the memories of what the locket had brought up, but her mind was still flooded for the moment. She couldn't think of a reply for him. You want to take Ronnie out, or should I? Battlemanon looked over to Ronnie, quivering with fear over what would happen now that his plan had imploded. Ronnie darted away, but he was too late. The wrecker took her look as permission and went after him. Well, that certainly could have ended worse, said Gabby. It did. That wasn't how it ended. How it ended was this record guy punched Ronnie straight through my van, totaled. My phone was in there, so all of it got wrecked. So after Ronnie ran off, I punched ball hands into the ocean, Maya sighed. 
The tattoos crawling across her body were all swirling around the circle Gabby was continuing to tattoo on her back. You're acting like a part of you isn't relishing the opportunity to get a new design for your van. You're not wrong. I just wanted to wait until after I was all healed up from the new tats before even thinking about that. I felt the tattoo settle into place next to Gabby's needle, and the sound of it all stopped. Is that it? Gabby set the device on the table next to them. All done. Your skin is now a mostly blank page. What was the schedule for getting some of them back on? Maya stretched. We should go over the finalized designs one more time. Make sure there's stuff you can do. Gabby scoffed. I know you're the best, but these have to be exact. Gabby leafed through the thick stack of pages on the table next to them. So how many of these designs are vital? Oh, those are all the necessary ones. We have two weeks to get all those on me. Two weeks? The end. For now. And we're back. Welcome back to Double Issue. Just had a word from our sponsors. <laughs> AKA my story is all product placement. Oh, I knew it. Sponsored is that content. Mike's burrito truck. <laughs> yep, guy Mike, I know. It's a burrito <laughs> truck. There's a taco truck I see. I might not see it anymore because it's winter now, but the taco truck I see a lot coming home from work on the same street. And I'm always like, maybe I should uh, stop there. <laughs> But I never do because I'm always in the left lane and it's always on the right side. And I'm just, I should have thought about that. There's a taco truck that I'm pretty sure is just a permanent establishment now on the main drag of Lindsay. Mm. They're just out there every day. And I always think, oh, well, we should stop and get breakfast. But there's always like 20 or 30 oil field worker guys. So mm. like, I don't know what the wait is. I'll gotta, get it some other time. Yeah, you got to leave 30 minutes, 30 minutes early. That becomes a commitment, and at that point, I could just go to my parents' coffee <laughs> shop. At that point, I could commit to making breakfast. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, we get a lot of Battle Maiden, I feel like, background in this, as far as, like, setting the tone for her. Yeah. I would say she's at her tattoo parlor. Yeah. So... This is a special tattooist? Yeah, they're or friends. Is it... Okay. I was going to say, are the tattoos themselves the magic? Or does she have some ability that like interacts with them? It's the uh, design of them Okay, is what the, the magic is. And I think they, her and the tattoo artist, uh, Gabby, is that what I named her? Yeah. Gabby. They collaborate on a design that incorporates like the right magic runes or whatever spell words spell designs into the different images so i think maybe the the tattoo artist gabby does some of the like i want a guitar and it needs to have this in it <laughs> for it to be a spell <laughs> and so they try to work together to make a a design that fits both something that looks cool and something that does an effect I don't know if it's like different design, like uh, lines and shapes inside of the stuff. Maybe sometimes it's like words uh, contained in the design or st something. But she's figured she's worked it out how to work different spells into the different designs. Nice. I also, I like the description of her tattoos. It reminds me of that Generation Z tattoo aesthetic of like lots of random tattoos. Hmm. Like, I've got a cousin who just has, like, a random piece of pizza on one of his fingers and oh. stuff like that. Mm. So I just kind of like that visual image of, like, the illustrated woman. Yeah. Yeah. I 
I, I don't know how this would look all together. I don't know. Because uh, some people have like those like full body tattoos that all kind of blend. They're not all one picture kind of deal, but they all kind of blend yeah. into one design eventually. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is planned out all together as one piece or if it's kind of improvisational fitting the next thing you want onto there and kind of making it work. And if that would be possible with all the different things I threw out there. <laughs> well, and so then do her tattoos like disappear as she uses them? No. Okay. No. I was going to say if they did, then like whoever's drawing her as a comic could just draw them different every time anyway. Oh yeah. No, she, she's like resetting her tattoos here. Okay. Which I assume maybe she does occasionally to get a blank slate. Like she, she has learned how to better do the spells into the designs or she wants a different set of spells kind of deal. Cause you only have so much space, hmm. but she has a design to get them all into one ink spot on her back. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And that has been Craft Corner. Hey. We talk about the writing craft. I'm kind of disappointed that craft in this sense is not like witchcraft. But it is for Maya and Gabby. <laughs> oh, yeah. We get Battle Maiden's first name, Myra. Maya. Noir. Noir. Maya. You need to. Mariah. You should listen to uh, the Omnibus. It's got Ken Jennings, the guy from Jeopardy, that won a lot. Oh yeah, and John Roderick, the singer of the Long Winners, which is the theme song for My Brother, My Brother and Me. Yeah, they just have conversations about a topic, and like it's a like history or something, you know, unique. Like they come with some research and just t- talk about that for a bit. Hmm. But John Roderick is you in pronouncing things. <laughs> <laughs> he just says things weirdly <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> it's like, yep, no, that's a Daniel. <laughs> Myra and Archival. Archival. You should write a story with Battle Maiden and Archival in it so that you can. <laughs> Myra, oh, man. how's it going? Archival, not too bad. <laughs> Is me lisping through bison and wisp already not enough torture? <laughs> no, that one's understandable. <laughs> no, that yeah, that one does make sense. <laughs> he just like to put an extra letter. He does a Soviet, which is not you know unique to him. I've heard that yeah. before, but every once in a while it comes up, and I go, nope, that's like Daniel. <laughs> I accept it. I'm glad. <laughs> I mean, I have to correct you sometimes. I have to correct you the first time it happens for yeah. any word, just in case no one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> and then after that, I can just assume, well, everyone knows he says it wrong sometimes. <laughs> My favorite part is that it's not consistent. There's just words I'll screw up on. And it's like, nope. <laughs> but the next time I'll get it. Yeah. And then I won't again. You're the, the guy that someone says something about robots and you go what's a robot and it's like that's not how it's like you're not reading it i just said <laughs> robot like how did you get robot from it i don't get it <laughs> but yeah maya <laughs> maya and then i really appreciate us learning about her use of technology with her her brand new phone oh yeah getting rid of her flip phone because i reread the story where you uh had battle maiden in it a little bit the, oh yeah, and Cafe Infinity. Yeah, and like her one trait was like she has a flip phone. <laughs> and I was like, well, I got to work that in. I felt bad because she didn't get a lot of airtime on that, but also I was juggling 
So many characters in that episode. That was a poor idea on my part. So I got rid of her flip phone. The one trait she had previously, I have now gotten rid of. Look at a good good amount about her in this one. It felt like a cheat, but also I put it in to like explain a little more about her character. I went and grabbed onto that. I was like, she doesn't like that she has a new phone. (laughs) She obviously liked a flip phone to be having it. Oh, yeah. And... She talks just barely about how she's been hanging out with Martians. Yeah. Which was my my way to get out of explaining why we hadn't talked about her yet. Yeah, because you mentioned that as well. Yeah. So I figured it was canon. Yeah. So I was going to ask, she gets into a fight at Mike's burrito truck, mm-hmm. and the truck gets destroyed. It's going to offer, should we make this our cabbage salesman? What does that mean? Like from... Uh, have you ever watched The Last Airbender? Nope. I watched... Have you ever seen this this little indie cartoon called... I watched season one, I think. I think there's like a couple jokes about it in season one, but later on it gets to where like every other episode, there'll be a fight and the cabbage salesman is there. Oh. And his cart gets destroyed. Oh. <laughs> and it's just a running gag. I mean, that f- feels like something you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> so go for like, it. <laughs> it was a joke that stopped being funny and then they kept going for it in such a way that it became funny again (laughs) i'm excited to see some ronnie rage yeah uh i appreciate that she talked about this in cafe infinity i think briefly but now we actually get him out in the open like yeah (laughs) oh man he just like yells battle maiden is very challenging to a formal (laughs) deal for the possession of the locket of of lament he he brings He brings the wager. I was very confused about that. Yes. Is he just challenging people and that's like the way he gets them to oh, do he's it? He's challenging Battle Maiden specifically. Oh, okay. He's like, hey, Battle Maiden, I want to challenge you. Because he's trying to like challenge Battle Maiden. I was like, I want to fight you, Battle Maiden. And we're fighting over this locket. And she's like, I don't have a locket. I don't know what you're fighting <laughs> me over for. I'm like, I have the locket. I'm fighting you for this locket I brought. <laughs> like so someone slapping down a hundred dollars and saying we're playing for this you want this right me do we know what this locket of lament does well it makes people sad they lament (laughs) it just made me think of uh hellraiser with lament configuration configurations of lamentations yeah that's like a hellraiser thing is if you can make the puzzle box into the lament configuration it would like do something bad i need to watch those movies though they're really good the first two are really good actually i'll say i think the last thing i've got for your story is who was this mysterious wrecking man i don't know is this the character i created for this one i thought i just needed a certain type of character (laughs) and i created this character and that's it's just really what i needed for this on your own yeah do you have any inspiration for for this wrecking Mm. man I don't know, a little bit, a little bit Hulk-y, a little bit uh, uh, the Wrecking Crew from Marvel, the the like Thor. That might not be what they're usually from, but I've seen them in like a Thor comic. The Wrecking Crew Marvel, from Marvel. Wrecking Crew, they are Bulldozer, Pile Driver, Thunderball, and the Wrecker. First appearance is in the Defenders, so I think they're just like generic villain group that everyone uses. That kind of vibe. Original creation, okay, okay. I guess. 
but good deal. He seems like a really interesting character. I hope we see more from him. And that's something for you to pick up if you want. But for me, it's a one and done. Speaking of one and done, you want to do your story? Sure. (laughs) Let's do it. New Tricks by Daniel J. Poole Barney fumbled with his keys in the dark. He figured that he had forgotten to turn on the porch light. Although it usually came on with a light sensor, it ran on a nuclear isotope with a half a million year long half-life. Now he was trying to remember which of his novelty keychains was the one with the house key on it. He leaned to one side and put his grocery bags on his hip. Flipping through his key rings, he found the small vinyl figure of Hildy with big blank eyes. He shook his head. How could he forget? Walking inside his home, he wondered why the lights were off. He always left a lamp on in the living room. It used to be a doomsday device that vented power through a constant tiny pilot light at the top. Barney had thrown a lampshade over it and called it decor. It was actually pretty dangerous to leave the light off, he thought. Barney navigated around some laundry he had been folding and reached under the shade. He said, Here, Rover. Here, girl. I brought you some treats. Where is that mutt? The light clicked on with a snap. Barney jumped back. He blew on his fingers. They were a little burned from the ignition. Welcome home, Barney, said Amy Dangerous, spinning around in his recliner. He jumped again, dropping his grocery bags. Oh, damn! Hell, woman! Are you trying to kill me? She looked hurt. Amy had a fat pit bull curled up on her lap. She was scratching the dog behind their ears. Its tongue hung out of their mouth in joy. Amy said, Sorry, didn't mean to scare you, but I always wanted to do a dramatic reveal like this. Is the dog new? Barney took a seat on the couch next to his folded clothes. He said, Yeah, ever since Tanya's been out of the house more, I thought I could use some more company. The pair sat in silence for a few moments. The clock ticked away those moments. The clock was completely normal and ran on two double A's. It had novelty hands that made it look like a pair of wrenches and a tire. Rotor panted in rhythm with the clock. Barney exhaled, took a breath, licked his lips, and said, So, what's going on? Amy's eyes widened. She said, Oh, right! Barney Steele, I know you've been fighting crime without a license. So, as your friend, I'm here to ask you to turn yourself in. The old man stared at her. The dog cocked its head and held one ear up. Barney let out a hearty laugh. <laughs> he slapped his knee. He slapped his knee and rolled to his side. What? He asked. At my age? I thought it was pretty neat I got my own groceries without breaking a hip. But you think I've been fighting crime? I'm fighting boredom. What makes you think I've been doing the capes thing? Amy looks frustrated. She pulled a cell phone out of a flight suit pocket and tossed it to him. He started swiping through the pictures. She said, I can spot one of your designs from a few miles away. Don't try to play coy with me. That's one of yours. It's been showing up at a lot of small time metagang meetups, knocking their heads together, which wouldn't be a problem, usually. But it disrupted a five-year undercover operation. Two friends of mine almost got busted because of it. Barney's face was stiff. He rubbed his lip. Amy asked him a question, but he didn't respond. He grabbed a pen. He started scribbling out a wiring diagram on the back of an old magazine. After a while, he looked up. The recliner was empty. Amy was in the kitchen. Barney walked over to the kitchen counter bar. Amy was putting his food away. Put my groceries up? He asked. 
She smiled and said, I know better than to bother you when you're nerding. What's the word? Do you recognize the armor? He held up the magazine and said, It's based on my design. But that isn't mine. The base chassis looks exactly like a hunk of junk I put together to beat up Garth a few months ago, though. Amy looked shocked. She asked, Trouble in paradise? Barney rolled his eyes and said, We were working through stuff. Listen, it looks like someone stole my design, but I promise you, it's not me. I could track it down. The energy source for this has to be pretty beefy. It get off off a personalized energy signal. Just like the one in my garage. Amy reached into a cookie jar. Taking a chocolate chip cookie out, she inspected it and dropped it back in. Barney raised an eyebrow. He reached over to a different jar and handed her an oatmeal raisin. She smiled. The superhero asked, between bites of cookie. So, hmm, where's this tracker? Barney laughed and replied. What makes you think I have one just lying around? Shouldn't have to say anything. He cracked a smile and grabbed his keys. They walked out the back door into the junkyard. Rotor followed close behind. Crickets chirped. Most of a flying saucer was on cinder blocks. A mechanical dragon was in a couple of heaps. There was also some old cars in different states of dismantlement. Amy asked, Thought I heard you were tired. Barney shook his head. I mean, you're not exactly wrong. I kind of shut down after, after the artificial invasion. I turned my focus on Tanya. Now I'm getting back into it. If the scrap is interesting, that is. Amy gestured at some of the cars. Barney shook a finger at her. Those are classics. Thank you very much. The old man unlocked the garage side door. Stepping inside, he flipped a few switches and rows of fluorescent lights clicked on. Rhoda ran around the room, sniffing things and wagging her tail. One side of the room was a pile of odds and ends of metal. The other was a well-organized workbench. Beside the bench, a ladder leaned against a bulky shape covered with a tarp. Barney said, See? What did I tell you? My suit is right here where I left it. He pulled back the tarp. It was empty except for a human-shaped wire frame and a note. The note said, I owe you. And, XO. Barney's hand crumpled up the note. He walked over to a work table and collapsed onto a stool. Amy put a hand around his shoulder. She said, She's a smart girl. Barney nodded. That's what I'm worried about. He picked up a box with a handle and several antennae. Clicking a switch, it started buzzing. He moved it around until he turned it toward the sky over the junkyard. Rotor began to bark. The dog was facing the wall, but its head moved like it was tracking something in the air. Its head transformed from nose to neck, their face opened into a satellite dish. Are you for real? Amy said. Is your dog a robot? Barney huffed. He asked, I can have hobbies, can't I? He turned to the dog bot. What is it, girl? Rotor cocked their head to the side and then let their tongue dangle for a moment. They let out two quick happy barks, but stopped. Rotor started growling. Rotor started growling. Their heads snapped back together and they ran outside with a burst of energy. Amy and Barney followed. The junkyard was quiet. The crickets had stopped chirping. Rotor was still growling at a blank patch of sky. Amy squinted but didn't move. Barney toggled a switch on his glasses. The lenses glowed a faint amber. He said, Rotor, sit. The dog obeyed. Rotor, deploy flank missiles on my target. A pair of missiles unfolded from the dog's side. Their nose followed Barney's eyes. For a second, they both followed something in the air before Barney blinked. Both rockets took off at their target. Amy scoffed. She said, You and your toys. Barney chuckled. 
A faint explosion lit up a low-hanging cloud. Silver flashes followed. Thunder echoed off the neighborhood. Then silence again. Barney took a few steps back. A suit of armor fell like a stone toward the junkyard. It was smoldering, but intact. Amy started to take flight, but Barney held up a hand. Thirty feet before impact, thrusters fired off from the armor. They slowed it down till it landed with a gentle drop. The helmet slid to show Tanya's face. She said, Daddy! What's the big deal using an EMP flank rockets? I could have died. Barney stood rigid. Tanya continued. Okay, I'm sorry. It was just going to be a one-time thing, and then it just sort of happened again, and then there was a real big emergency, but I took care of that. But then you wouldn't believe this thing with some vampires. Then my friends were in real danger, so I had to go do it again. And now, well, um, I don't know. I just, I feel like I need to. Spark plug. Barney interrupted. Tanya blinked, but continued. No, don't, don't spark plug me. You know what? I need to tell you something. I'm an adult, Daddy. I can make my own choices. This is something I have to do. For me, this is my calling. Barney cleared his throat, <clears> then <throat> said, Spark plug. Tanya didn't stop. This isn't about wanting to be like Mom, or living up to her legacy. I wanted to help people, and this is my way of really being who I want to be. Don't you understand? Barney raised his voice. Tanya Maria Steele, look behind you. Tanya stopped and turned. A robotic monster with bright red eyes, a smooth chrome body, a mouth full of crushing teeth, and eight claw-tipped tentacles landed behind her. Tanya's face mask slid back into place with a snap. A tentacle raised to crush her. Amy lifted off the ground, but Barney held up a hand. He said, No? You heard her. She's an adult. She needs to clean up her own mess. The tentacle slammed down on Tanya. Her arms grabbed the appendage in time to keep it from crushing her, but the force pushed the suit into the hard packed dirt. The tentacle whipped around her and threw her over the lot into Gar's front door. Amy said, Barney, what are you doing? Let me help. Barney said, she's got this. The robot threw three of its arms at Tanya. She deflected the first two and landed a haymaker on the third. That broke the arm completely. The creature screeched a high-pitched yowl of pain. It reared back and punched her off her feet. At that moment, Gar's front door opened. The Guardian had enough time to say, What in the hell is going on out? Before Tanya crashed into him, the pair flew backward through his front hall. The sound of broken glass and cursing followed. Barney leaned over to Rotor. He whispered something and said, Fetch, while pointing at the garage door. The dog took off with an affirmative bark. The robot clicked its claws and paced around Garth's front yard. Thrusters lit up the darkened hallway as Tanya rocketed out of the house. She raised both of her arms over her head and brought them down as balled up fists on the eyes of the robot. It wrapped a pair of tentacles around her. Garth rushed outside. He called out, Use your foot jets for a rapid kick. Keep it off balance. One of Tanya's legs delivered a barrage of rocket field kicks. The robot tried to move its weight but fell onto broken tentacles. Tanya broke free and gave it a few quick jabs, breaking a few more of its eyes. She turned and ran toward the garage. Barney stopped her. Rhoda ran to his side and dropped a pipe-shaped device. She picked it up, twisted the top, and turned back toward the robotic monster. It slammed into her, knocking her off her feet. The robot's jaw opened into rows of interlaced crushing discs. It pushed her toward the ground. She took the rod device and threw it to its mouth. A wave of static exploded from the rod. The machine went limp. Tanya's armor shut off. Every light in the block went dark. Rotor's head lowered like they had fallen asleep. 
Garth wrapped his bathrobe around himself and walked toward the machine. He crossed his arms. He said, Well, young lady, this is awful. How, uh, dare you go behind our backs with this? Barney rolled his eyes. You can drop the act, Garth. I know a guardian haymaker when I see one. He walked to Tanya's side and knelt down. He slid her face mask open manually. A few loose tears streamed down her face. Tanya asked, Are you going to make me quit? Barney shook his head. He said, Nah, but we are going to get you a tutor. Garth huffed. He said, I, I don't mind working with her. It's been fun. No offense, Garth. Barney started. I just don't think it would hurt to get some help. Tanya smiled. She said, Thank you, Daddy. She tried to stand up but couldn't move. Oh, uh, would you mind getting this off me? Sure thing, Sparkplug, Barney said. Then he stopped. One quick thing. Where is my power armor? Tanya laughed. <laughs> what? This, this is it. I made some modifications, but... Like hell. That's a whole different suit, he said. She sighed. I blew it up, fighting the amazing Richard. I used the self-destruct and remote pilot feature to rescue my friends. His eyes widened for a moment before whistling. He said, Alright, well, that's a good reason. Barney patted his mechanical jumpsuit pockets. Crap, I left the keys for the analog forklift inside. I'll go look for them. You don't uh, go anywhere. Hey, Amy, help me look inside of the house. You too, Garth. Tanya craned her head as far as it would move. She said, Hey, uh, Dad? Daddy? Hey, hey, guys. Amy. Garth. Dad. Amy turned to look over her shoulder. She asked, Seems a little mean, doesn't it? Barney didn't answer. He rubbed a small figurine on his keys with his thumb. With his other hand, he searched his phone contact list. I. C. H. A. The end. For now. Is this a alternate of robot or an alternate of reflections? Am I right? Is it a reflection of robots or a robot of reflection? Reflections was the story prompt you first introduced Barney and Tanya and Garth. Yeah. And now you're redoing the robot prompt, which is the one where you introduced I, the legacy teen team. Yeah. I think I actually had like a different prompt in mind when I started this story and I can't remember what it was now but I feel like I had something like reflections or something or oh I can't remember now I know I wrote a different story altogether and I scrapped it because it's not time yet oh <laughs> I wrote a, a grand calamity story based on robots and then I reread it and I was like there are some missing stories that we need to connect first before we can bring this in now this one was this a story inspired by the prompt or was this story a story you wanted to make and happened to fit into an alternate <laughs> prompt you have laying around I did want to make <laughs> a story that just like the only idea I had was Amy confronts Barney about the super suit running around but I didn't know how to do that 
But when I had the idea for making a robot story, I was like, well, it'd be kind of funny if Tanya's fighting a robot in the backyard and they have to have that talk about it then. So it just kind of evolved from those elements. I didn't have a good way to frame it till that. Mine started with, like, I actually, in the past, when we were doing the Tabula Rasa one, when I was writing my story, I went, oh, you know what would be a good thing for this prompt is a Battle Maiden story. Like, the blank <laughs> slate with the, the skin tattoos. Like, that'd be cool. But, yeah. I did have an alternate for Avalanche that I wanted to do. That was also a Grand Calamity story. <laughs> but, again, it just, it didn't come together. And I, I thought it'd be better to just go with what was going to come easier. Yeah, I think the other alternate I was toying with was the Starship Crash. There was oh, another yeah. thing I had to consider doing before I went with the one I went with, which, fun fact, Starship Crash, I think, might be the story I'm most disappointed in my own story for it. Oh, why is that? I don't know. I think it's just, like, the least good one. <laughs> oh, that was good. I mean, it could still be good and be the least good one. I stand by that I think my worst one is my first one rooftops yeah that's something i did a great job with it hmm. oh i remember i had some other ideas for other stories though before i wrote oh, this yeah? one and i made those jokes in the junkyard so there's like a flying saucer for a starship crash story idea i had and uh there's a dragon that i had an idea for and so those are dead stories in the junkyard <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> but uh yeah Where were we? We just talked about Barney oh, and yeah. Friends. Barney and Friends. <laughs> uh, it, Barney's got a doomsday device lamp. Do you know what this yeah. doomsday device is? So I imagine it is like a piece of a doomsday device. So this is like the power source for it or something like that. And so he dismantled most of it. And it was just, well, this is kind of a cool piece. I'm just going to make that a decorative front hall piece. But you didn't have like a a name of the thing it was a part of or anything no not not right now so feel free to build onto that if you have an idea yeah oh i do no (laughs) No, i don't (laughs) um so the first is the first robot we get the robot dog yeah we got a robot dog oh yeah rotor does rotor stand for a thing as an acronym nah it's just a just a machine name r-o-t-o-r we can come up with a good acronym for it at some point. Oh, but I did. I just remembered. I just I took Rotor from a movie. Oh, so Rotor in the movie did stand for something, and I'm looking for what that stood what for. What movie did you take it from? The movie Inspector Gadget. Rotor. It's Rotor. Yeah, it's R period O period T period O period R period. It was a 1987 film that was a low-budget Terminator. Dr. Coldwin, a pioneer of tactical robots, is ordered by Commander Bulgar to create a robot that can fight crime unbeknownst to Coldwin. Bulgar is working with a greedy senator who plans to use the robot to secure his re-election. And it's the robotic officer of the Tactical Operations Research reserve unit here's a curious thing about this little side panel on uh google telling me about rotor here uh-huh. one the rating is 2.5 out of 10 on imvd <laughs> but uh down here on the budget it says two. Oh, what? it just says two usd <laughs> not two m like for million it just says two usd you think they made this movie on two dollars uh, I mean, maybe. 
I'm looking through the IMDb. I do not see a budget list. Does Wikipedia have a budget? Oh, oh, watch it now from $2. Maybe that's where it got it. I'm going to report it to Google. What is wrong with this item? I don't think the budget for any movie is $2. I mean, the budget for this podcast is more than $2. (laughs) We have to spend money on hosting. Like, even if I don't count in, like, the money we spend on microphones or anything else. Yeah. It costs more than $2 an episode per month just from the hosting. By the way, support our eventual Patreon. <laughs> Go to cafepress.com slash double issue. <laughs> Buy our t-shirt. Okay, so you stole the name. Yeah. And that movie's about... I was uh, searching for robot names and that came up and it was too perfect. The movie's about a robot dog. Yeah. So I do want to mention in the original draft when the robot dog's <laughs> head transformed into... <laughs> an antenna or like a dish antenna dish yeah i was i was was just reading along and then it was like the dog's head split open and i was just what is happening (laughs) i thought the dog ran into a pole or something i was just this is horrifying i just murdered this i'm the one that's into body horror i wanted it to be like not upsetting but like disturbing shocking is a good way to say it but no when you circled that the first draft i was like oh yep nope that's bad the thing i did to have just splits open or like exploded yeah something very just whoa what (laughs) uh but we also get like glimpses into the adventures that the legacy team has been having which was a really neat moment here like what are the moments you (laughs) mentioned like her fighting the amazing richard so it was just going to be a one-time thing and then it was just sort of happened again. Then there was a real big emergency, but I took care of it. And I think that's going to be everyone turned into drinks. Oh. But then you wouldn't believe it. This thing with some vampires yeah. happened. <laughs> and then my friends were in danger, so I had to do it again. I think that was Amazing Richard. And then, well, now I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was neat because of the nature of how these are told. Yeah. We kind of have to elide over those fun stories which we try to make them every once in a while. Things that are just a fun, neat story of stuff. But we've also got a plot agenda. (laughs) We're working on that, too. We have to balance it. And I mean, it's not like we're rushing to a finish line, but... But we need to get there. Then we get the Guardian Haymaker. Yeah, signature move. Yeah, that was cool. Was Guardian Haymaker mentioned before, or is it just a device you use now? Uh, just one I use now. Okay. I was trying to make it... I, I don't think I did. The, I got this across perfectly. Oh, I wanted to have Garth like really coaching Tanya on the side. Like, yeah, 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 now keep your hands up. Do that. Yeah. But... I think it came across that he was her coach. Yeah. I know we had discussed that before. I don't know how, how much in an official capacity, so I don't know how much it came across for a, someone that wasn't isn't privy yeah. to all of our conversations about the story, but <laughs> she had been kind of mentored under her Guardian Garth for a bit, which was cute. Yeah. But yeah. And then they, uh, d- it's a cruel timeout. Oh, yeah. They just leave her out there. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> I think I'd actually written at one point something where they're like, oh, well, because of the EMP, we can't get you out of there. And I forgot, like, two of the stronger people in our universe were sitting right there. <laughs> so they would probably would have been fine. Yeah. And so, like, on a quick rethought, I was like, no, it's still funny. Yeah. No, and then she's got a new tutor for the future. Yeah. And we talked about that in Ichival's episode, right? Yeah. The cycle of... 
teaching successors between Hildi and Ichival lines. Yeah, which that's one of those stories I want to do is where she's getting a tutoring and Ichival is just, oh, you're just you're just not good at the bow thing, aren't you? <laughs> I don't know, just like some sort of like scene like that. Yeah. Where they're just like, I thought this would be a little easier. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that's one of those scenes I'm just waiting for a good prompt for. Yeah. It's cool to see Amy again in yeah. a more chill atmosphere. It took like six tries to get that ending to stick, but I feel like I finally got one that I feel good about. You could have just used Slime Dragon. <laughs> it's true. Is Slime Dragon a thing we've talked about before? Uh, I just thought Slime Dragon would bring some stickiness to your ending. <laughs> Are we wrapping up? It's true. <laughs> I think so. Um, what should I have for dinner? Getting pretty late. Uh, I was going to mention for recommendations this week, I finally read a comic book, You Loan Me, Let Go, and I actually read it this week yeah. by John Perry. Yeah, John Perry and someone else. Oh, yeah. Let me... Uh, it's two two guys that... Uh, two guys and an artist, I think. Oh, yeah. John Perry, Ted Cooper. Cooper, Cooper. Cecilia Latelli. Latella, Latella. maybe. Yeah, uh, Cooper, Cupper, and Perry are two, uh, they're on a podcast, Review the Future. He's also the guy, John Perry is the guy, one of the creators of Time Barons. Oh, the card card game? game, Yeah. He and the other guy just talk about future type stuff, similar to The Extra Dimension. Yeah. By, uh, with with Ian Arbuck. Yeah. I, uh. I actually suggested this book to Ian, which I think you've got to suggest it to. Maybe that'll get him to like read it. <laughs> but I was like, this is right up his alley. Yeah. Describe the book a little bit or something. Yeah. So it's set in the future and they're having trouble keeping people employed because machines keep replacing people. So without giving too much away of the plot, a guy like the opening thing is a guy gets fired because he's been training a computer to replace him for like the last couple of weeks and it's kind of his journey and his family's journey on what to do now that their whole life has kind of gotten disrupted yeah and it just kind of explores what we're going to do in kind of a post-work world yeah it feels like one of those books that uh, uh i feel this way about neil stevenson stuff that it's more about the ideas and the technology than it is about the actual plot like there is a plot line yeah but it feels like the plot line comes secondary to the technology they're exploring in this book. And there's been stories I've read like this, and I usually don't like these kinds of stories. Because usually it's like, there's a super train and it can go from one end of the world to the other in like five minutes. Snowpiercer is good, Daniel. Snowpiercer is no. good. <laughs> I was thinking of the Total Recall <laughs> remake. Like, usually these kind of movies are just like, here's this crazy tech that we made, but there's no story to go with it. I feel like this one's got enough story that it supports the idea. Yeah. Instead of either one dragging away from each other. I would say the ending just kind of gets wrapped up, and I can't tell if it's really a positive or negative ending. Like, Yeah. It's, I don't know. I need to reread it if we do a review thing of it. I would like to. It seems perfect. Yeah. When I started it, I kind of had the intention of just being like, well, I'll just read this real quick because it's really short. And I finished it and I just sat there like, I need to think about this now. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, very interesting. Speaking of a book that has, has a lot of thoughts in it, my recommendation is Nomon 
by Nick Harkaway, and that's Nomon spelled G-N-O-M-O-N, which is like that uh, that part that sticks out of a sundial, like that triangle. Oh. That's a Nomon. Okay. So I started this book in like the summer. I might have mentioned it on the podcast even. I've been working on this book for a while, and I finally came back to it, and it's quite a long book. But I had just kind of like faded out of it. And I was like, no, I need to finish this book. So I finally came back to it. My mind was a bit dusty. And I feel like it worked perfectly for this book. Because this book, I pitch it as, if on a winter's night a traveler, oh. plus Assassin's Creed. Oh, <laughs> those are those are big shoes. Yes. <laughs> It was like going back into a dream and dusting off a book and reading inside my dream. Like, that's what coming back to this <laughs> novel after a bit away from it was. I don't want to describe the plot because the plot is very <laughs> sprawling, is maybe the best way. I really just, if on a winner's night, a traveler plus Assassin's Creed, if that gets you going, just read it. It's very long. I would like but... to read a review on Amazon by Disco Taz. Four stars. This book made me feel dumb. I love it, but I also <laughs> hate it. <laughs> they say more, but I feel like that. That's about right. Okay, I'll cut all that out. Read read Nomon. <laughs> um, while we're on recommendations, I was going to mention that people recommended this show. And if you're listening, you too can recommend this show on iTunes. Who recommended this show? We got a five-star review. Title of this review is Super, and it came from AKA 12 Max. They said these guys are exploding with creativity. Each and every episode is packed with it. And if you're into world building, storytelling, or lore, Quentin and Daniel are delivering. I think one day I'd like to live in the superhero universe they're building. So much cool stuff going on. Check it out. Well, thank you, AKA 12 Max check you out whoa should we wrap up yeah we should our show art is by lisa prather you can find her on instagram instagram.com slash lisa prather art or her website lisa prather art.com i believe the trendy thing to do now is to put the space one to the left so it's show wart i believe that's the teen trend now so wait what you put it one to the left, the space in, in between two words. So like Facebook, Where at? if Facebook is one word, but if, if uh, Facebook were two words, you would say fact ebook. Oh, oh. So sh- show wart instead of show art. Oh. Yeah, that's, it's the new thing teens are doing. It's called swipe, this is- swipe and left, swipe that space left, swipe left. Uh, this is how I know I'm getting old because I don't. Take the take that two words and swipe left. Swipe that letter over to the other word. The teens are doing it. It's called a dab. You can email us at doubleissueshow at gmail.com. Email questions, concerns, continuity errors, anything really. Send it our way. We'll reply or read it on air. I don't know what we'll do. Uh, just send it and see what happens, I guess. You can find me on Twitter at Gwer, G-Y-W-A-I. I R, and you can find me on Twitter at Quenty and Pongrats. See, I did, I did it. <laughs> it's good. It's um, good. We got all our links to everything in the show notes. We used that one song. Yeah. Uh, we used a lot of songs. They can yeah. say song credits. Whoever, whoever loses rock paper oh, scissors yeah. this week. And our next prompt, we can choose any prompt. We're free. Cloudsy. Oh, remember we were gonna do sequels to the other stories. 
Oh yeah, your stories. Yeah. Last yeah. time we did sequel, we uh just ran randomly choosing, we uh got two two uh two stories that were a sequel to Daniel's stories, and now we're gonna limit to only my stories so we could do two sequels of Quentin's stories. Do we wanna do them randomly or do you wanna It's too random. Give me a random number between one and whatever, and we'll just keep going until we get a story episode. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want first or second? I'll take the second one. Okay. What's your number? Then my number's 30, which was Voids. Okay. So your Void story, the sequel to your Void. Has an empty space there, so. Has a Void. What's my number? (laughs) 22, (laughs) which. (laughs) Reroll. Oh. 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 Episode 22 is Tabula Rasa. All right. Uh, you, okay. Uh, should I just go with it? Cause uh, didn't I do blank slate for your sequel? <laughs> blank slate for my redo. <laughs> blank slate for my other sequel. It's just blank slate. All right. One. I'll do a sequel to Tree Man Empire. Oh, that's an interesting one to do a sequel to. Oh. I wasn't ready to progress that plot. <laughs> Oh, Here we yeah. go. <laughs> Tavula Rasa is coloring book by Quentin Pondratz. Oh, okay. 17 weeks ago, I wrestled a Russian down the length of Oak Street. I completely forgot. This might be uh, on the lower end of my rankings as well, though. <laughs> oh, the, the Tavula Rasa story. Yeah, this one and Starship Crash are on the lower end of my my own rankings of my own stories and it's not i think the main reason is like i rushed them at some point like i procrastinated and rushed on them but i'm doing a sequel to the story in which um hyperion seeds come up again and our character from rooftops takes a whole bag of them and swallows them and sees a vision (laughs) that's good though he comes up about every 20 episodes then Oh, man. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and then I'll write a follow-up to Amy Dangerous, Fallen to Earth. Yeah, that one should be interesting. Yeah. And then that will conclude follow-up. Here, let me say bye for the end of this edit. Oh, yeah. Bye. Y'all ready for those song credits? Because if not, too bad. Here they are. We got Free Harmonics by the Free Harmonic Orchestra. We got Space Blockbuster by Soulbringer. We got Chooch by the Good Lords, 100 Years in Helheim by Tritachion. We got Ultimate Metal by Loyalty Freak Music. We got King of Broken Hearts by X Take Rux. Maybe Take Crew X? I don't know. It's got a lot of uh, capitalization in there. All those songs are from the Free Music Archive, which is still alive. Yay! And you can find them there or the links in the description. Then we got some sound effects from Daniel's story. We got Dramatic Robot 1 by Milton. Big Metallic Robot Footsteps by Gladkey. 05135 Robot Monster Ground by Robinhood76. Warjack by Squigbread. Screaming Robot by Headphase. Crickets by Freethinker Anon. Oh my. We got Jetpack Fly by Pepin Grillin. And those you can find at... Daniel didn't put a link... I think it's freesound.org. Yep, freesound.org. So if you liked any of that stuff, go check it out. 
and we'll see you next week. Surely, surely we'll be back next week. Bye. I challenge you to a formal do. <laughs> I challenge you to a formal duel. What does Ronnie sound like? Battle maiden. I challenge you to a formal duel. I challenge you to a formal duel for the possession of the Locket of Lament. Battle Maiden! (laughs) Battle Maiden!